This episode with Eric Andre was recorded a little bit ago and we had some technical difficulties, but we were finally able to fix it and share it with you. Enjoy. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo tabbouleh, potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini ziti, granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Guys, I'm very excited about my guest today. He is the creator and the force behind the Eric Andre show on Adult Swim. He also is the creator and lead of his film Bad Trip. His comedy special, Legalize Everything, is on Netflix right now, and it is fantastic. Please welcome my good friend Eric Andre. Namaste, D.A.D. Namaste, Eric Andre. What's happening, my man? Uh, not much. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast because you look gorgeous you think so yeah I do. really i feel handsome right now i'm not gonna lie you're a beautiful angel you've always been very an, a very interesting man to me you've been the the dosekis guy before the dosekis guy was the dosekis guy dosekis, really? wow. is that the guy the most interesting man in the world yeah high praise you know the, you know the guy's jewish yes i know i actually have I, I wrote something for him, weirdly enough. Really? He's like, stay thirsty, my friends. I'm from Boca Raton, Florida. <laughs> he and I were in a casino together, and you would lose your shit if you saw the reaction of people when they see him. They go nuts. I saw her, huh? They go, and especially in the place like a casino, and he was like wearing a Oh, suit. yeah. Like it was like uh, out oh, the, yeah. the commercial. Uh, amazing. I'm going to hell yeah. I'm sure he gets mobbed for selfies. But then I was like writing jokes for him and, he, and it was very fun to see him insecure. He's like, I don't you know. You were writing jokes for him. Does he do stand up? No, but he got this gig, like a private, uh, like talking at some corporate events thing. Dos Equis guy? <laughs> yeah, he got paid a lot of money. To, to go in character or, or? No, not even in character. It's like him in a suit and then like a bunch of people would like wait in the line, take a picture with him. And then he like moderated some sort of panel, but also like had to do like 10 minutes of material. That is fascinating to me. But and not but not in character, just as himself as the actor. Yeah, just as himself. So he, I'm I so am Jonathan. just as like <laughs> as as Barry Silverstein. I think it's Jonathan Goldsmith if I if I <laughs> So he's just like, Yeah, you know, I started acting when I was young. I took some college classes and I, I kinda got the bug. That's so funny. Everyone's got to hustle, man. We're giving him beers. And like, Dozak, he's such a shitty beer. He's like, got to drink that bullshit all the time. <laughs> it's not that bad. Actually, Dozak isn't that bad, but there's better beer. I'm not a beer guy. You're not a beer guy, but you're, you, I will say this. You've always been fascinating to me in terms of your relationship to food because you're kind of, uh, your Instagram is always like, it's like a picture of you like throwing up ranch dressing and then it's like a picture of you taking a dump in a park and then it's like a picture of you with Wolfgang Puck hanging out <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> how does that fit into the Eric Andre lifestyle? Well I mean like I'm either in character or not in character I know I'm, but turning, I'm turning it on or I'm, or I'm enjoying a nice dinner You seem to be one of the bigger foodie comics that I know and you, your last tour was worldwide so did you hit up insane uh, restaurants around the world? Yeah, the craziest one was in Denmark. I cannot remember the name of this place. What was in it? Denmark? It was, yeah, it was in Copenhagen, and it was a 70, like something can say, like a 72-course 
meal. It wasn't Noma? It wasn't Noma. So it's like the new Noma. It's like... Is it like the name of a flower, like geranium or something? feel like... Wait, so 72 courses. How long did that fucking take? It was like a four and a half hour. It was insane. We had one of our... um, one of our courses was a snowball, a tomato water flavored snowball. What's that? <laughs> I think it was, uh, I, I had it, how do you pronounce it? Tomato consomme? Like, oh, wait. I'm remembering this. I think I'm remembering it off of your Instagram. It was a weird, weird place, right? There was like a lot of wacky, strange shit. Yeah, it was like you walk in and you're in like an art installation with somebody that you think is another like restaurant patron waiting. And then she turns around and she gives you this like little like fortune, like out of a fortune cookie and you read your fortune and then it turns out it's edible paper and then you eat the edible paper and then the doors open to this like gigantic wine cellar slash windowed testing kitchen where you see the chefs experimenting. It is like you feel like uh, a villain in a Blade movie would eat at this place and then you have they start giving you cocktails and get and and wine and they give you little like you know appetizers and then you go upstairs to this room this other room that's like it looks like a planetarium it looks like you're underwater and you eat there for the majority of the time it was insane i mean but each course is very small i wasn't like i went hungry but i wasn't like super full or bloated it's like each course is small and it's very paced out so that you could actually enjoy. You're not like super stuck. It's not like big plates, heavy portions. I didn't feel like super bloated or stuff at the end, but it was definitely an amazing, amazing experience. The frustrating thing about Noma is that we're trying to get in, trying to get in. And then as soon as I made reservations at this place that I'm talking about and like put down the deposit, you had to put the deposit the guy from Noma emailed me back like, hey, we just had an opening if you want to come in tonight. And I was like, "Ah, but that's fine. I'll be back. Sometimes I'm not in the mood for that stuff. Sometimes like, you know, my girlfriend yesterday made like, I just got a smoker, a Traeger smoker. She made made queso with Velveeta. And it's like, it was the best thing I've ever put in my life. When it comes to that stuff, I don't have the time to become a pit master. I'm like, yeah, you know what, though? It's not too hard. You throw you throw the meat in and then you fucking you take off. Oh, right. It's the best. Traeger's the best. The best. The best. I love it. All right. We're going to look at some pictures of your fridge right now. You guys can see Eric's fridge on my Instagram at Stand Up Dan. Now, Eric. You told me that you, you you just sent me this last minute and you were like, oh, my fridge isn't clean or anything. I was like, just send it anyway. This is like one of the fucking nicest fridges that we've we've ever seen on the podcast. You know why? I'll tell you why. Not only did we just eat a ton of leftovers over the weekend and got rid of a bunch of stuff, but I spilled this giant thing of like this like strawberry liqueur that was in my fridge and it went everywhere so i i I recently cleaned it's usually not this this is as good as it gets by the way this is what got this is what piqued my fancy right here i usually store my watermelon face up and this seems like a way fucking smarter way to do it well take a look towards the bottom the middle right frame there's a there's a water saran wrap watermelon it's the other chunk of yeah i like this though the face down i was making uh 
another famous uh, Gabby, how do you say her last name? Mlinarchik cocktail. You make these watermelon Thai basil bergamot mint ice cubes. Then you also take the juice and you make the cocktail with that watermelon basil mint juice, bourbon, rose water, I want to say lemon juice, and there's one other ingredient I'm forgetting. Oh, yeah, to- tomato cons- consomme. Jeez. consomme. And it is so good. We had one last night. That consomme. is wild. You have to make an, a special ice. I you love don't that. have to, but it, but it does. Uh, no, yeah, I love it, the it, idea you know. of that. I've never, I've never thought about that. Consomme. Let me hear how it's pronounced. Consomme. Consomme. What is this? Consomme. 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 <laughs> But uh, yes, orange flower water. That is also that is also a cocktail ingredient. Oh, got it. So, have you? Are you normally a huge cocktail guy, or is this a quarantine thing? It's a quarantine thing. I started getting into cocktail making, and it's like a whole new world of. Don't uh, you dare close your eyes. Whole new world. Yeah, it's um, I I love it. I'm getting a dad bod because of it, but I don't care. I mean, it's great. That right next to it is that that's um kimchi pickled kimchi. That is not a cocktail ingredient. That would be awful in a cocktail. What's this over here? On the top, you've got like a, a mason jar. I think that is leftover chili. Who does more of the cooking, you or your girl? She does more of the cooking. I do more of the cocktail making. Oh, God, i got to put a lid on those capers. Maraschino chilies. you got the fancy yeah. ones, too. The Luxardos. And then the, what is this? Oh, those are open capers. Is that for a cocktail, like a martini? Capers, no. That's just being a Jew. I need some capers on hand. Is that a Jewy thing, the caper? I do bagels, lox, cream cheese, oh. red onions, and capers. What is this Teton? Grass-fed beef in the freezer? I was going to put some dogs on the grill, and then it never happened, so I put them in the freezer. This looks like a fancy ice cream you have over here. I've been fucking ODing on ice cream and wine. You know what? I'm going to find you a few natural wines that you like. What? What Do you like red or do you like white wine or do you, you like it all? I just don't think that most natural wine is drinkable. You just haven't found a bottle that you like yet. I have. The, I've the found only, a couple. The only, the only difference between natural wine and like industrial wines is just preservatives. There's no added... It's just like weird chemicals. The only thing that you're reacting to is chemicals, basically, that preserve the shelf life. There's no different. Like, the natural wine is just wine. It's just grapes with yeast fermented and turned into a wine. I'm with you, but I do think I think it's a lot harder to make wine good when you're not using those chemicals and stuff. So you have to be a really great winemaker, which there's a couple. There's one in Beaujolais I just had. Those chemicals are pretty harsh. You should look at a list of those. It's it's not like anything you'd want in your body. It's oh, no, like, no, no. You're shy of like formaldehyde. <laughs> I'm not saying I want the chemicals. I'm saying when you don't use the chemicals. And look, I'm, I'm constantly on the search for the for great natural wines. I think you probably like, you, you probably like a, a full body heavy red wine. And a lot of natural reds are like, much lighter, but you can find heavy ass natural reds. I feel like you're judging me based on uh, it's just, but it's just like my, pesticide on my opening <laughs> salvo here. <laughs> I just when when I hear people say that, I'm like, you're only reacting to the flavor of like formaldehyde. They put milk in it sometimes to preserve it. Oh yeah, like, I know they put like it's yolk. like battery acid. <laughs> it's like that's, yeah. that's the only. There's no. I think people think of natural wine as like it's like 
kombucha or something like that but it's just it's just wine how wine was made for like ten thousand years okay hold on a second because i feel like you're judging you you've judged me without listening to everything that i'm saying i just i had the same conversation with a couple other comedians i'm not that were like natural wine what is that it tastes like apple juice you're, and it's like and then you're lumping me in the in a category i'm i'm unfairly lumping you yeah Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm unfairly lumping you. My regular, my regular restaurant that I'd go to a couple times a week is a wine, is a natural wine bar. So yeah, I'm which one? Marvin. Where's that? It's in uh, West Hollywood. It's one of my favorite restaurants. Marvin. Yeah. It's a natural wine bar. Yeah, it's one of the best restaurants. Never heard of it in my life. It's one of the best restaurants in LA. Okay. So I'm friends with the sommelier there. Yeah. And I told her, I said, "Hey, I'm drinking a lot during quarantine." And I like the idea of not drinking stuff that is very chemically. So put together a case of natural wines for me. And she knows my palate. She knows what I'm into. She knows that I'm into more conventional tasting wines. And she put together a case of 10 wines. I gave her a budget. I said it could be 20 to 40 bucks a bottle. Okay. There was, of the bunch, there was one wine that I liked. Okay. Well, the Somalia is bad. She doesn't know what she's doing. She probably doesn't know a lot about natural wine. You have to go to psychic wine. You again, you're you're jumping, you're jumping on. She's a she's a very educated. She 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 used to work at Domain LA. Okay, these people are oh, no Domain is good. Domain the best That's where is I got psychic. The domain is great. Barbandini is fantastic, and I like Silver Lake wines. And uh, uh, the guys that run. Uh, Hippo, uh, forget the name of that place. So in Highland Park, that's great. And John and Vinny's wine shop in the back is great. So she might be great. But a, a lot of Psalms, even if they know of natural wine, they're taught, they're brought up in the industrial wine system. And they're they're miseducated. Here's the thing. First of all, she's a natural wine Psalm. She's never worked in industrial. She's super natural wine. She just, we've gotten into this debate so many times. But here's the thing. I feel like... What do you like? What do you like? Because I'm going to steer you in the right direction. I already know. Here's the thing. I have a buddy who has a winery in uh, Patagonia who makes natural wines that are probably my favorite ones so far. They're called Chakra. Shout out to Piero at Chakra. They're Pinot Noir and... Chakra. Chakra. But I think the problem is this. The majority of natural winemakers, a lot of them, feel like they can get away with a hip label and, and just call it natural, and that's it. But winemaking is a lot more than just using the right ingredients. It's kind of like when a restaurant calls itself, well, we're, we, we use farm to table. It's like, okay, well, you can get ingredients from a fucking great farm, and if you don't know how to make something then I don't care if you're farm to table. And my hunch is since some natural wines, like the Morgon from uh, Beaujolais, which to me fucking blew my mind. It was so great. I, I know that it can be done uh, where natural wines don't taste super, you know, vinegary. And sometimes I think maybe you need to put in some sulfites to tamp down the vinegar. But you can still be natural and have a little bit of sulfites in it. There's naturally occurring sulfites. Those are fine. What are your favorite grapes? I like anything done well. I don't have like a loyalty to like white wine, orange wine, red wine. I like anything done well. It depends on my mood. And I moved on to cocktails recently, so I haven't been super into wine. But we got to go. Me, I got to take you to Paris, my man. Oh. I got to take you to Paris. My little, you're like my little Persian crepe. My little Persian crepe, I want to just throw you across the Atlantic Ocean to Tehran. 
and I want to slap the Ayatollah in the face and cut eye holes out. I think he's dead. Just to to give the guy a laugh. He seems tense. (laughs) The Ayatollah Khamenei. I was I was impressed at, or I was surprised that all the hip restaurants in Paris were natural wine places. Did you notice that? Every single one. That's how I got into it. I didn't know shit about natural wines until I went to Paris. Really? I didn't know a goddamn thing. Then Were you I with got Carl Hess? Did Carl, did Carl take your hand and... and... No. Carl, I found out that Carl was super into it after I came back from Paris. There was a place called Le Ville Volet in Paris that I That's think... the place that taught me. Yeah, that place is, is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I ate barnacles there. <laughs> yes. I know what you're talking about. They're like, those barnacles are very much in like Spanish cuisine, like in San Sebastian, like every bar has barnacles, but it was kind of wacky to have them in France. But what do you think about those? They were a little weird for me. Oh, I love them. I ate everything everything that that came to me there. I fell in love with that city. That was the first time I went there. Yeah, it's an incredible place. I do think that the LA food scene is like... When I went to Paris, I was, I was in love with a lot of the food, but I didn't feel like... I'm more excited to be eating in L.A., I think, right now. L.A. has some of the best food in the world. I agree. All over the world, and I think it's like some of the best produce and some of the most competitive chefs. Because of that competitiveness and access to good produce, if you have access to good produce, you have access to good animals. So because you have access to the best meat and the best produce and the chefs are competitive... And it's a major metropolitan area. I think it's 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 some of the best food in the world. I think Los Angeles, San Francisco too. And uh, I had some great food and throughout Europe, but but New York, I think a lot of places that are I used to like hold in high esteem. Like you eat there, and like the quality of the ingredients is like bad, or like not like just a salad. Like the lettuce is weathered, and like I don't know. Also, I think that New York has suffered and we we came up in new york together i don't know were you a big foodie like back in the day when we were like i didn't have enough money to be i had no money so i didn't have yeah. enough funds i was eating at a, a an indian deli that made microwave lentils <laughs> for like five years <laughs> so uh i didn't have a job you know i was i was unemployed or underemployed while i was out in new york so i didn't really get to explore i go back there now with like holy shit look at what i get to explore but i still think the food food, food in la is better the, the quality of the produce is better i think it all stems from that the farm we have access to better farms i think you're right and i think also the the problem with new york right now is the cost of running a restaurant in new york and staying afloat is so it's so cost prohibitive that you basically if you're not making a crazy profit every month you're fucked which I think as an artist, if you're a chef, it allows you way less opportunity to like push the boundaries, to try different things, to be weird, to try. So I, th- I, f- I feel like I noticed all the menus in New York were kind of melding into very similar stuff. Like you could kind of count on every restaurant was going to have, you know, one of this protein, one of that protein. And like there was nothing really wild uh, at at any of the restaurants. And this goes for the super high-end stuff, too. Yeah, New York is, like, ruined by... Uh, they pushed out working-class people and and the, the and artists. They pushed out creative people. 
you know, it's just a town run by bankers. So, well, that's the thing. And I think everyone came to LA. Wall Street powers would be, they ruined New York City. It's just like there's no creativity there anymore. Everybody got pushed out. Nobody can afford it anymore. It's depressing. It is. I mean, and that's the country thing. is depressing, man. <laughs> Jordan Carlos told me that you were thinking of, uh, of moving out of the country. I sure am. Really? Where would yeah. you go? Have you have you fucking looked at the news lately, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just out with a handbasket. I'm just at home experimenting with natural wines. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to send you a bottle of uh, my buddy's wine and see what you think about it. When you came over my house and you play piano, I did. So I, you have every year you have the craziest birthday party ever. I didn't get uh, to have one this year. I'm so I know heartbroken. I mean, it's a bummer, but potatoes compared to what most people are going through right now. But. I know, but Eric would uh, basically fucking rent out a hangar downtown and have the, you'd have like nudists walking around next to John Favreau, <laughs> next yeah. to like that's always my criteria: filmmakers and nudists just flanking each other. It's the most fun party of the year, and I think the what you're talking about was a couple of years ago, which I did whippets for the first time. Oh yeah, do you remember that? That was my first time. That was a your first time they're great they were they were they were very last fun time? i i don't recommend it no it was my last time as well really you didn't like it i mean what i didn't like it what am i gonna have a fucking uh heat like a big fucking gas canister in my house why not oh but we did have an after party at your place where we played the piano which was very that was fun i was coming down from drug usage i feel like you are the um what's that guy's name What's that guy's name? The guy from New York in the eighties who had like crazy parties and he was an artist. Big J Okerson. Yes, you are the Big J Okerson. <laughs> <laughs> who, are you talking, who are you talking about? Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. You're the Andy Warhol of our generation. Oh, I, I, I believe that. I think that your parties are just like the most interesting people, all in the same place, forced to kind of commingle with like with like weird fucking wacky people that you would never really hang out with i remember there was a there was some i feel like i've had the weirdest conversations at your parties i've met the weirdest people i've had a couple girlfriends out of your parties really yeah normally on a birthday party do you celebrate at a dinner do you do a dinner thing or do you just do your fucking i mean the crazy party is for the people but what do you do for yourself usually on my actual birthday yeah i'll go out to dinner or like i i used to make it a tradition to like eat a giant xanax and then like eat two plates of spaghetti but then I, uh, I think I just forgot my own tradition I set up for myself. So I usually just have like a nice dinner. I think I went to uh, a Japanese restaurant in Echo Park, Tsubaki. And I oh, like, I love that place. I had like a private, private uh, little kind of small party there. That place is fantastic. While some, like Eric and myself, can argue the merits of natural wine, there is no official or regulated definition of natural wine. So technically, if someone says you're drinking a glass of natural wine, it doesn't actually mean anything. Some of these natural processes can lead to attractive, strong, and unique flavors, and the lack of additives can make some of these bottles a little better for you. However, because natural wines are filtered, any impurities in the wine are also included in the bottle. Without sulfites, natural wines are less shelf-stable over time and are much easier to spoil. So, I think the best part of buying natural wine is that it gives you an excuse to finish that freaking bottle of wine before you get home. All right, I'm going to get to these questions, which I ask uh, every guest. What is your earliest food memory? Gosh, earliest? 
I think this is a false memory. I remember having like a kind of a big tummy when I, this was like really, really like it sounds like the, the predecessor to an eating disorder, but it's not, I'd never had a eating disorder. But I remember having like a, this is a weird early memory where I remember having a big belly when I was like three or four. And I go, I got a big belly. I got it. Yeah, it must be, this must be a dream now that I'm saying that. I got to get unfat. And then like one day I just ate an apple and then the next day I was skinny. That has to be a false memory. I mean, if it's a real memory, then it would be even better. A weird, like early false memory, like where like must have been like in a dream. I also had an old dream where I thought I was like, oh yeah, tidal waves. Like I remember when me and my cousin and my grandma got hit by a tidal wave when I was little. And then I was like, I never got hit by a tidal wave, like a tsunami tidal wave. I would be, I'd be dead. And then I was like, that must have been a dream. Yeah. A dream come true. Hello. So you're on death row. You got into an argument with a conventional wine person about <laughs> shitty wine. You couldn't take it anymore. You cracked the bottle over his head. He died. Now you're going to die. I would just deep fry everything, I think. Really? Yeah, because I wouldn't be worried about cancer or free radicals. So that is that to you is like the flavor you want to go out on is deep fried? Is that yeah, your favorite thing? Deep fried turkey and like chocolate mousse. I mean, I kind of eat like I'm on death row every day anyway. I'm like frying a turkey this weekend. Are you really? It's so good. Should I not do it? I think I should do something else. No, I've I've never actually... This is probably one of the few things I've never eaten. I've never had a deep fried turkey. I hear they're fucking sensational. Yes, it's just really dangerous. You can't, you can't do it haphazardly because if the... If you drop the turkey in and the oil, the hot oil splashes out and hits, it's like a gas bomb. You right. Like 4,000 houses a year burn down because people try to fry a turkey. So you have to be really, really careful. I think it's because a lot of the times they put in the frozen turkey, which will. They put in a frozen turkey or they just drop it in and they don't measure out how much liquid's going to be displaced by the turkey. I think it'll make for a good death row meal, though. What if I ate Suge Knight alive as my last death row meal? And, like, it'd be, like, meta. You know what I mean? Would you eat human if you found out it was delicious? If there was, like, if they legalized it and you could go to a restaurant and have human, that was, you know, humanely killed. What what human I'm eating. It was a free-range human. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't eat, like, somebody who had a horrible life. I wouldn't eat, like, a child soldier. But I'd want somebody like kind of. No, you don't want a child. Skin. I wouldn't want somebody skinny. I'd want to eat somebody evil, so I may may not feel bad. Roger Stone is too skinny and old. Maybe like William Barr, I would eat. Really? Yeah, I think he so wants like kind of young, kind of heavy, and you don't feel bad that they were murdered. Yeah, I guess you need something with nice marbling. Probably does taste good if you think about it, because it has another human. I mean, out of all the animals. It's going to have all the nutrients you need. But I don't know, though, because carnivores don't necessarily... I, I Carnivores aren't known for tasting great. Like, I don't think lion meat it will taste as good as, like, deer meat. So you need, like, a vegetarian. What about omnivores? I mean, most of, uh, uh, most of the animals we eat are omnivorous. I don't know. I think they're most er- mostly herbivores, aren't they? No, chickens eat whatever. They eat, like, worms and shit. And yeah, them. that's true. Pigs okay. eat Thing. I would want to eat a vegan human, I think, if I got to choose. Not me. I want that human. I want that big old boy eating meat. What is the best high-end meal you've ever had? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, honestly, like, the best meals I ever had was traveling abroad and eating, like, a home-cooked meal. Like, uh, in Japan, 
my friend, a friend of a friend's mom cooked us a home cooked meal in her house in Tokyo. And it was probably one of the best, best culinary experiences I ever had in my life. Yeah. Talk about an insane food city. So crazy. And also, uh, same thing in Nepal. I had this meal in this couple's house. Do you remember what was on the menu at the, at your friends in at the uh, Japanese? Tokyo? I ate starfish huh. and and sea cucumber, which uh, stood out to me because it was very crunchy. I've never had either of those, I don't think. It was incredible. It is not for the faint of heart. If you're not into experimental eating, I wouldn't yeah. suggest it's, it's, it was delicious. Did you have an insane sushi meal when you were in Tokyo? Yeah, we had a, we had a few. Uh, and it was probably some of the best food I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that place. You should think of Tokyo as well if you're if you're leaving the US. They're a little xenophobic in Japan. I think it's hard to get citizenship and they're not uh, they're a little bit cold to foreigners. What is the what's the best low-end meal that you've ever had? I love a Wendy's Frosty and dipping my fries in Wendy's Frosty. Fries in a Frosty? Yeah. Interesting. A little sweet and savory. I don't think I've I would never think of doing that. So good. What is your what's your favorite drunk food? I think I just answered that question. Yeah, I think you did. You don't you don't soberly put fries into a (laughs) my favorite hangover food is menudo. That was the next question. Really spicy Mexican soup or really spicy Chinese soups. So menudo typically is made with tripe, right? Yeah. It's like a cow stomach. Uh and it's and but it is known for being like the best hangover cure. Don't tell me what's in it. Oh, sorry. I'm going to eat it. You were just saying you were eating sea cucumbers and fucking sea stars. You can't take... Yeah, I I eat bugs off the street in Thailand and shit, so... On a lighter note, who's your favorite celebrity chef? (laughs) (laughs) I'm partial to Matty Matson because I'm I'm buddies with him. Oh, yeah? He's just, like, uh, very charming... And his meals feel like current without being pretentious. I don't know much about him. He's great. I love Roy Choi. Uh, I think he's very creative. A lot of good ones out there. If you are trapped on a desert island and you have to eat one food for the rest of your life, you won't get tired of it. What would it be? I guess a coconut? What grows on a desert island? You don't have to take it so literally. You can literally... There's a genie there. order like a filet mignon and a fucking... Yeah, yeah. No, there's a genie on the island. There's a genie on this island? So it's a surreal island. Well, yeah. It's a surreal island. So why wouldn't I just ask the genie for more wishes? You can't ask... Well, because the genie makes clear there's two things you can't ask for. One is to be saved from the island. And two is more wishes. What's this genie's motivation? The genie... Got kicked out of culinary school, and he basically wanted to prove that actually he does have what it takes. So he gave himself this challenge to get a marooned person and show him that he can feed him something, the same thing, for the rest of his life, and he's not going to get tired of it. Very, very strange scenario. Yeah. A lot of weird events led up to that. Well, you know, everyone's got their origin story. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get on the island? Well, that tsunami from your childhood actually took you to a desert island that, that didn't right. exist. So what are you eating? On the island? Yeah. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be island food. Sushi. Sushi. You never get tired of sushi? I, I could eat sushi, I think, every day. I think so, too. Are you a sugarfish person or no? I like sugarfish, yeah. I can't get enough of it. Is there a food that you can't stand eating? Something that you hate? 
I'm not crazy about a lot of Mediterranean food. Whoa, shots fired. Sorry, my man. You're not into like a hummus, baba ganoush, falafel, shawarma sitch? I eat hummus and stuff when I'm trying to like eat healthy, but it's like, I mean, anything done well. I mean, I had killer hummus in Israel, like hot hummus, fresh, fresh made, hot, served hot, not cold. Was it hot? That was good. Yeah, I don't like um black olives on pizza. Huh. Kind of tastes like somebody put a cigarette out on the pizza. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I love olives on pizza. So what do we do now? Our, our relationship ends here. <laughs> 15 years. From, the, from, from passing out flyers for Dustin Chafin to here. Yeah. We've come a long way. Look at us pontificating over upscale restaurants i know i'm like it's everybody fucking turned off by me now. <laughs> no not at all we have a very food-centric uh audience all right my favorite question what is your restaurant pet peeve that the restaurants do or the customers do in like, like what sense uh it's intended for what that the restaurants do but i'm down for what the customers do, do. i don't like when a restaurant is like thinks it's the shit and it's like okay like when they're like very into themselves and kind of pretentious, it's mm-hmm. just like, all right, let the food speak for itself. Like, just tell me what to get. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, like when the when the when the waiter has some spiel and it's some like hard to think. But like, you know what, Nancy does things a little different here, and uh, we do things kind of like you order the and you're like. All right, I'm already out. Like, I, I just want some fish. Yeah. You know, like, it's better to do something like simple, well, than like complicated and it's so so. I don't know. I'm with you. My spidey sense goes off when I hear, Have you dined with us before? Because I'm like, Oh, God. Now yeah, I have the spiel about. Or, well, we do things a little bit different. I'm like, You don't have to, dude. You just have to like feed us good food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the name on the they menu do things the same <laughs> yes <laughs> we do things a little differently i knew this before it's like atmosphere and service is just as much as important like like vibe do you feel like when people recognize you who work at the restaurant you get better service or worse service better. i mean if they recognize me and hate me they're gonna be like quietly spitting in my food but no i i I'd say better. Eric, what would you like to plug before we get out of here? I'd like to plug my friendship with Dana Duke. Oh. <laughs> uh, Eric's special is on Netflix. It's fantastic. You guys have to check it out. Thank you, Eric. You are the man. And I look Thanks. forward to getting doing other new drugs that I've never done in my life <laughs> at your birthday party. Sounds good. We will, we will um, uh, shoot up ketamine together soon. All right, man. Thank you. This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Stephen and edited by Jordan Aaron. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and the interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's really important to us, guys. Please do it. If you want more Green Eggs and Dan action, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at StandUpDan. Also, we have a YouTube page where you can actually see me and my guests going through their fridge. 
in addition to other videos. Just type in Green Eggs and Dan in YouTube. Like and subscribe, please. We need a lot of subscribers on that page. You will really enjoy it. It's a very fun element of the show. truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.